Let me know if this sounds like you. You're a teacher who's at their wits end, burned out, or maybe you're just stressed to the max. You want to get on the road to burnout recovery, but you don't know what to do, how to get there, or if it's even possible. I hear you and I want to help, but we didn't get into burnout on the same path. So why should recovery be any different? That's why I wanted to share with you a brand new free resource that I have on my website. It's called the Personalized Roadmap to Teacher Burnout Recovery. In this quick, less than five minute quiz, you'll answer questions that will help identify your needs, your strengths, and your weaknesses. Once you've completed it, you will have access to the personalized roadmap to burnout recovery that's going to give you your next best steps to take on your recovery journey, packed with resources and support along the way. Head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash quiz or head over to the link in the show notes. I cannot wait to see your action steps along the way. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, hey, teacher friend. Welcome back to episode 47 of the Resilient Teacher Podcast. Have you ever sat down at the end of your school day and thought, dang, I really wish that I knew how to love teaching again. It's okay to be honest here. I I know that I have. And we didn't get into teaching thinking we would eventually like fall out of love with it. I would be surprised if you never had that thought, even just one time. And since we just finished our sustainability series, I'm still on this kick with teachers being given way too much. At the end of the day, Our to-do list can literally make or break us. It can really run us into the ground. And I truly believe that having good systems has the power to transform how we teach and if and how we can actually fall back in love with teaching. While there's definitely ways that we can combat this job creep and reclaim our power in the classroom, there's some serious work that needs to be done at a systemic level. So I want to ensure that I'm very clear. It's not all our fault. And there are teachers like me who are standing up and using their platforms to support and empower teachers, but also to use their voice to lobby for changes in our broken system of education. When I saw that Jamie Sears of the Not So Wimpy Teacher had written a book called How to Love Teaching Again, Work Smarter, Beat Burnout, and Watch Your Students Thrive, I was like, yes, another teacher friend who is spreading the good news that there's something that we can do about this. And I am so excited to introduce you all to her in this episode. Jamie Sears is a fun-loving mom, a wife, an entrepreneur, and a forever teacher at heart. After several years in the classroom, her passion to make teaching fun and effective for students and teachers alike inspired her to start her not-so-wimpy teacher. Now she has the honor of serving hundreds of thousands of teachers across the world by providing easy to use hands-on resources and engaging professional development that helps students to love learning and teachers to love teaching. She is also celebrating the release of her brand new book, How to Love Teaching Again. In this episode, we're going to get to hear her story of burnout, what she calls the marshmallow effect. I love it. And her tips on how to tackle that never-ending to-do list. So let's not waste any time and let's go meet Jamie. Hey there, and welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, the podcast giving overwhelmed and burned out teachers inspiration, sustainable strategies, and reigniting passion for teaching. I'm Brittany, a special education teacher and teacher resilience and retention strategist, and I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize their self-care routines so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life as an educator while making a bigger impact in their classrooms and communities. 
Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, mindset shifts, and discussing hot topics in teacher resilience with other knowledgeable experts so that you can ditch the overwhelm, prevent burnout, and create the life you've been dreaming about. So let's get started, and let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. All right, so we've got Jamie on the Resilient Teacher Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you on the show, Jamie. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Of course. And I always ask guests on the podcast to tell me a little bit about their experience in education. Like, what was the journey that really led you to writing your book? Absolutely. So, teaching was actually a second career for me because when I went to college and when I got out of college, I had this whole idea. I was like, I don't like kids. Kind of embarrassing to admit now. Same though. To, to a group of teachers, though, when you say things like, I don't like kids, they're like, oh, I just didn't. I didn't have a lot of experience with kids and I was kind of scared of them, to be 100% honest. I was kind of scared of them. Yeah. But I, I had this job as an office job. I worked as a lobbyist at the Arizona State Supreme Court and I thought it was what I always wanted to do. And then I had kids. And oh my gosh, it completely changed my heart. Every day when I went to work, I was working with adults and I thought, they are not nearly as much fun as kids. Right. I, I, I just want to be around kids, which was crazy. It was hard for me to even admit that I wanted to be a teacher. It took me a while to actually come out and say it. But I went back to school to become a teacher. I substituted for quite some time. And then I found myself in a third grade classroom. And I seriously loved the kids. I was so excited to, to be in the classroom but immediately found out it's not exactly like I thought it would be like from watching TV and, and mm-hmm. so forth. I didn't have the resources I needed. I had very little curriculum and what little curriculum we had was really quite outdated. So I had almost nothing. I didn't even have pencils. Yeah. I mean, I was like, what do you mean you don't have pencils? A copy paper. I had no idea that teachers would have to provide their own copy paper. I was just blown away. I was unprepared for what a real classroom is like. But I was so determined. I'm like, going to be a great teacher. Like I, I'm going to show them that I can be a great teacher. I don't know who the them was, but I was still like really, really passionate that I was going to be this fantastic teacher. And so I put in so many hours. I worked every night I got up, I was always the first to school in the morning. I'm more of a morning person. Always the first to school in the morning. I worked every weekend. I dragged my kids to school on the weekends, summer breaks. I didn't take a break. I remember it being the last day of school and leaving to go home. I was sitting out at our community pool, planning out next year's classroom. The day we got out for summer break. I mean, I I took... I took work with me on vacations and everything. And so towards the end of that first year, I really had sort of a a moment where I realized this wasn't sustainable and that if I continued to teach like this, I wasn't going to be a good teacher or a good mother. And I either needed to quit, which sounded terrible. I'd worked too hard to get here. Right. Or I needed to make some changes. And I realized I'm just going to make the changes. And I started thinking like, I'm really good at making things easier. I've got to lean in to what I'm good at. And so I started to create systems in my classroom. I started to create systems at home even. Yes. I started to simplify things. I decided to stop feeling I needed to copy everything I saw online because it's so tempting. There's amazing ideas 
all over Instagram and now TikTok. TikTok wasn't there then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm way too old for that. But I mean, there were so many great ideas. Pinterest. And I always felt like I had to do all the things. And I had to learn to give up that thought that I needed to do all the things. But as I made these changes, I started to fall in love with teaching. I was in such a great place. I felt like I finally hit my stride. However, my physical health was struggling. I do have epilepsy. And so I do have seizures. And I was starting to have them sometimes at school. And I felt like one, I, I wasn't feeling good, but two, I felt like it was causing so much anxiety for my students to have to be a part of that. And I realized that I was going to have to leave teaching, which was, it was, it was incredibly hard for me to do. But I got through that by telling myself, you know what, you're not done with education. You're going to take your time at home and you're going to dedicate it to making teaching easier for other teachers who are still in the classroom. And that's what I have been doing ever since I left the classroom is ask myself, what resources do they need? What what professional development would help them? And a few years ago, I thought, I've got to write a book. It's the easiest way to help them, to share all these strategies that worked for me. And so I decided to write How to Love Teaching again in hopes that even if there's just two or three strategies from the book that they grab onto, that it will save them time and keep them from burning out. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love your story. And, you know, the majority of the people that are listening to this podcast are currently or are in the process of recovering from burnout. So hearing your story about how you were doing all the things, that's something that a lot of teachers deal with. They, they, think that in order to be a good teacher, that you have to do those things. And you just kind of like blew me out of the water with your story. I love to listen to people's stories about burnout and that sort of thing. And so thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think what you're doing with your book is amazing. I got to read some of your book and it's fantastic. It is such a breath of fresh air. And I think what you did with your time out of the classroom is so needed. Thank you so much. You just brought up that whole, like, we have to do all the things to be a good teacher. Oh, that term good teacher, that was actually what was holding me up so much that first year. And what I found from my audience now is that it's holding them up too. What Mm -hmm. the heck is a good teacher? Yeah. Like it's a, (laughs) and it's such a crazy concept because a lot of times I think that the burnout that we experience is, is more, put on us by ourselves, like by our perfectionistic tendencies. Sometimes it's by our high achieving tendencies. I was there. I, I tried to do all of the things because I'm a high achiever, you know? And so I think a lot of those things come from a place of not feeling like enough or something like that. And I think one of the biggest things that teachers face today is that job creep. Have you heard of that term before? No, I've never heard of that term. Okay. So it's, We talked about it in our sustainability series on the podcast, but it's basically like a little bit of work and then you get a little bit more of work and then it becomes the snowball effect, right? Mm -hmm. And they continually get more and more added to their plate and their to-do list. I know you have a chapter in your book about tackling the to-do list. What are some of the ways that you discuss dealing with this issue? Yeah, absolutely. And I, when you talked about that domino effect, I told a story in my book about marshmallows. My wedding shower, my mom threw it for me, and she had this game where she asked 
my then fiance, Scott, questions. And then she would pose the same question to me. And if I got the answer correct, then we moved on to the next question. But if I didn't, we put a giant marshmallow in my mouth. And I think, I don't know who duped me. One of them duped me. Either he purposely gave all the wrong answers or she purposely changed them all. They will not tell me to this day, but I got like every question wrong one after the other. And so my mouth was full of marshmallows, marshmallow after marshmallow until I couldn't breathe. And to this day, I like, ooh, marshmallow. Like I can't even handle it. Like, oh my gosh. But that's what teaching is, right? It's like you get out of school and you're really excited and new and you get like one marshmallow in your mouth and then you actually get the job and then you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. More marshmallows. They give you curriculum or they tell you, heck, we have none. Figure it out yourself. Figure it out More yourself. marshmallows. They, you get your classroom and they're like, you got to figure out report cards. And, and even if you're not a brand new teacher, now it's like you got a student teacher. Oh, look, new curriculum. Oh, mm-hmm. And that new curriculum didn't work. So new, new curriculum and your technology, we give them give you no technology or we're going to give you new technology and I'll tell you how to use it. And you just keep adding, adding and adding. And and yes, in some ways this is self-inflicted because we teachers are such perfectionists and they Mm -hmm. love their kids so much that they think I got to do more. I always got to do more. I, I talked to a principal about this and he said, my teachers, I'm not asking them to do some of these things that they're doing. But it is still a broken system. And I don't want yes, absolutely. anyone in my in your audience to think I don't understand that. It is definitely a broken educational system. And there's so many things you have no control over. Your class size, all the testing, uh, your pay rate. Yeah. These are things part. that we have got to fix. And I am working so hard with my voice, my vote, and my platform. But in the meantime... Let's tackle some of the self-inflicted stress. Let's try and take a few things off your plate or help you to get through things a little bit faster so that you're not leaving the classroom when you truly had a heart for teaching. I just, I hate to see a teacher who doesn't want to leave the classroom end up feeling like she has no choice. That's that's what I really want with my book. So when you talk about the to-do list, most of the things on our to-do list is our head telling us we have to do it, when in reality, they're not priority items that are going to make us better teachers. First of all, you've got to define what the heck does it mean to be a good teacher? And I'm going to help you do that in the book. But really, teachers need to choose something they have control over instead of like what the school has said. Oh, good teachers are the ones that get the highest testing scores. Do you really believe that? No. I mean, do you really (laughs) believe the highest testing scores equal best teaching? Because most teachers will tell you, no. Well, then let's take that out of the definition. Write your own definition. I I mean, I've heard teachers writing definitions like, to be a good teacher for me means that I help my students to find a love for learning. Okay, now we're talking because guess what? No test helps for a love of learning. And you don't have to get an A to love learning. But every day when you go home, like while you're driving home, you could say, what did I do today to help even one of my students find a love for learning? You're like, well, I helped someone pick out a book. And now they're really excited about it. Awesome. You're helping to create a love for reading. And that it's like putting a check mark, like I'm successful. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at your to-do list a lot differently, once you have a definition of success, because now you realize that if it's for you, it's all about finding love of learning. You're looking at your to-do list and you're like, most of these things aren't about that, like bulletin boards. I can cross that off my list. But I think the most important strategy for getting more done is to plan our plan time. And whatever that plan time means for you, some teachers get all riled up when I say plan time. They're like, I don't have plan time. And I'm sorry for that because that's unfortunate and you should, again, broken system. Mm-hmm. But 
your plan time might be before school, after school, whenever you choose to do your grading, lesson planning, responding to email, those sorts of things. We plan for our students. Teachers do that. They, they plan out every minute of their instructional time, but they very rarely plan for themselves on that plan time. So you go to sit down and you have this massive to-do list and your brain will do a couple things. It might look at the to-do list and go, too much, can't do it. And so you do nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go next door and vent to my teacher friend because there's no way I'm going to be able to tackle this to-do list anyway. Or you may decide like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on the to-do list. But what you do is you like go through the to-do list and pick out a couple of the easiest things, not necessarily high priority, just easiest. But when you leave that day, your head is still telling you, you didn't finish. You didn't do enough because your list was far too long for you to possibly finish. And so when I talk about planning your plan time, I'm giving you some strategies for how to put the most important things from your to-do list on your calendar during a specific time slot. Instead of just listing the things you need to do, I want you to pick the most important thing from that list and go to your calendar and put it in a time slot when you will be able to finish that task, not work on it. Work on it's confusing to our brain. Mm-hmm. When can you finish it? And if it's too big of a task to fit into one time slot, break it into many tasks so that you can finish it. So maybe grading, maybe you have 30 reading tasks to grade. And that's a lot. And your time slots are short. So if you only have 30 minutes to work on it, don't write work on grading reading assessment. Because you're not going to get 30 reading assessments graded in 30 minutes. And if, I mean, if you can, then I mean, you probably need to write this whole book about, uh, (laughs) we need to know your strategies. But but instead, maybe you're writing something like grade 10 reading tests. So you're not going to get every test grade and you know that you're going to have to to add it into other blocks. But now you're planning for that instead of just using that 30 minutes and then immediately your brain going, you didn't do it. You didn't get it done. You're actually planning. I'm going to do 10 here. I'm going to do 10 tomorrow morning and 10 tomorrow afternoon. So now when you finish 10, your brain gets to celebrate. You did it. You only plan to do 10 and you got 10 done. And now, even though the whole task isn't complete, you can be excited that you got what you planned to do. So it's really important that we take the calendar, we look at time slots, and we start putting our most important tasks into those time slots for when you will finish. So now it's not a to-do list. This is like a to-done list. Oh, I love that. I love that to-done list. I love how you talked about, you know, you have to realize what your definition of a good teacher is because on the podcast, we talk about our values. Like, what are your values? If you don't know what those are, if you're not self-aware, then you're not going to come up with the idea of what that good teacher is and what that looks like for you and to be able to prioritize the test because they'll keep giving us things. They'll just keep giving them, just keep giving them. And if we don't really know what is what is authentically what we enjoy, what are the things that we need to get done in order to be the best teacher that we can be? That what does that look like for us? So I love I love those strategies. I think that they are just chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. now, our brain will tell us that all those tasks are important and right. you have to do them all. So you have to challenge your brain a little bit. Like Hey, do I need to change the bulletin board? Hey, do I need to download these apps onto the class iPads today? Because they're your brain will instantly be like, yep, you yep. have to do it all or you're not good enough. Right. So you have to decide what it means to be good because 
unfortunately, society isn't going to do it for you. Your administration isn't going to do it for you. And you're right. The more you say yes, the more they'll ask for more. Yeah. You have to be really careful about that. Yeah. You also mentioned like you, when you sit down to look at these, that this list of to do, some people will just be like, oh, I'll just go talk to that friend over there. And we've talked about that too. And how that is like a stress response. We have the, it's the flight response in fight, 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 flight, freeze, and fawn. (laughs) And so, I mean, you're just bringing it all together in this wonderful book. So I know that your book, How to Love Teaching Again, is going to really support so many educators. Can you share a little bit more about your book, what's in it, where teachers can get it? Yeah, absolutely. So when I wrote this book, I didn't want it to just be a pep talk because, I don't know, but teachers need a whole lot more than a pep talk. I wanted to give them something they could legitimately do tomorrow in the classroom to make teaching a little bit easier. Because if we just make it a little bit easier each day, then we can find that love. It's it's hard to be in love with a career that is taking over your entire life. Yes. It's hard if you don't have time to take care of yourself, if you don't have enough time for your family. It's just you're it's not sustainable. You got to come up for air sometimes. And so I wanted this book to be full of really actionable strategies. So there's strategies for batching your lesson plans or strategies for saving time with grading and uh, strategies for eliminating the chaos in your classroom, setting routines. And I hope that you can go through the book and even just find a couple. I don't want the book to be a whole bunch more marshmallows for you. That's not my intention. And so right in chapter one, we define success. And then I give you permission to work on these strategies that are going to get you to your own personal definition quickest, which means you might skip to chapter five or six, whichever one you need the most. I hope that it will be more like a workbook that you can um, go through at your own personal pace. So how to love teaching again, you can find the book at on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, target.com, walmart.com, wherever you order books from, you'll be able to find it there. And again, I just wanted it to be actionable. I didn't want it to be one more thing someone was telling you to do, but rather actionable. So I threw in everything that I could think of that had helped me. And there were times where like, I, I was like, maybe I'm getting carried away. But I'm like, no, if this helps a teacher, I want to share it with them. Yes. Yes, I love that. And I know so many teachers who are like, there's no hope in falling in love with teaching again. It's just never, it's never going to get better. They've lost their passion for the classroom and their career. What's the number one thing that you would say to those teachers? First and foremost, if you truly don't want to teach anymore, that that is really a personal decision. And I know it's a hard one. And I would never try to convince a teacher who doesn't want to teach to stay in the classroom. Right. But if in your heart of hearts, you're like, this is what I've always wanted to do. I just can't do it the way it is right now. Then I feel like, okay, we can do this. And there's so many great strategies in here. I do think planning your time and batching your lesson plans are huge. But one thing that made teaching so much more enjoyable for me, and I I hope this strategy will help some of your teachers who feel like there's no hope. I felt like I needed to fall in love with my least favorite subject. We all have the one subject that we feel so good at, or even, you know, if you have secondary teachers, even that one skill or unit, you can use the same strategy. This is 
you feel passionate about the subject or this topic and, and you love to teach it and you're good at it. But there's always this other thing that you have to teach that you just dread. You don't like teaching it. And for me, I felt like I can't be in love with teaching if there's always something I have to teach that I hate to teach. Right. Like I have to do it every day. I need to love what I'm teaching. And so for me, it was math that I felt really good at. I wasn't good at math in school. So it's kind of crazy that I was feeling good about math as a teacher. I think that I just taught it differently than I learned and felt yeah. really passionate about that. And math was going really well. I was so passionate about it. I loved math and t- other teachers were coming in my classroom to see how I was teaching math. And I, I was getting really excited about it, but then it was time to teach writing. And I thought I was going to be a good writing teacher because I always wanted to be a writer. Yeah. But then when the kids came to me and they hated writing, I realized like, oh, I, I didn't expect this. And it's much harder to teach it just because I like to do it. Doesn't mean that I know all the skills to teach writing. I dreaded it. And I yeah. would put it off and I put it off until I'd be like, oh no, we don't have any more time. Sorry guys. Can't, can't do it. Um, And then I got real with myself and I'm like, okay, I've got to figure it out. So I made a list. I sat down. I love brainstorming time, by the way, just like 30 minute pops here and there when something's not going well, where you could just like, how could I make this better? Because if you pose your brain questions, it will give you answers. Mm -hmm. So even if you just go for a walk or or usually your best ideas come when you're like taking a shower or you're just not stressed. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'll just schedule a half hour to sit with myself and a notebook. And I said, what can I do? well, what am I doing really well right now in the subject I enjoy teaching? I made a huge list. What, what's going well? And I wasn't humble and I don't think you should be either. You don't have to show your list to anybody. This is just for you. But I wrote things down like I was using small group. I was giving choice. I was teaching in units of study. Then I looked at writing and I'm like, could I do any of these things in writing? And, and not the whole list. I couldn't. They're very different. But there were so many things I brought over to writing, including small groups and choice. And it immediately made me a happier teacher because I started to have fun with writing too. So now I'm having fun in math. I'm having fun in writing. And that made my teaching time so much more enjoyable for me, which gave me like this pump of endorphins that helped me to get through some of my to-do tasks after school that weren't as fun like grading because I really truly was loving my time with the students. Oh, I love that strategy. I mean, I've never thought of that, but I'm still in the classroom. And so I'm thinking about an area that I really don't like. And I'm like, that that sounds really good. I need to try that. So I'm definitely going to use that. Oh my goodness. Jamie, like your, your book, your strategies, they're amazing. They're amazing. Uh, It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Can you share with the listeners a little bit about where they can find you on social media, what other things you offer, how you can help them love teaching again? Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in the classroom and what you're doing with your platform, by the way. It is so needed. Um, You can find me at notsowimpyteacher.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as notsowimpyteacher. And uh, we publish articles all the time about making teaching easier and we create resources with the the goal always to be how can we cut back the amount of prep time a teacher has to spend while still getting to watch their students thrive because we we're not we're not trying to train you to be a lazy teacher we're trying to train you to be the good teacher you've always wanted to be in less time per day yes Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So I'm going to link all of the things in the show notes. I will definitely link the book. 
everything so that all of the listeners can go and check that out. They will love it and it will help so many people. Thank you again, Jamie, for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was an honor. Yes. Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tap me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode.